Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 48 of Fitness Scanner Podcast. I am joined today by Coach Steve Barrick. He is the strength and conditioning coach of University of Indianapolis. He has his uh, bachelor's in exercise science from uh, University of Indianapolis and his master's in physical education and health from uh, University of Indianapolis also. And uh, we linked up because um, I watched a video of Steve talking, and one of the things that really stood out to me was he see he said that he likes to see hardworking people succeed, and that's kind of you know it's kind of one of my philosophies too. Like you really when you put forth a lot of effort, there's no reason you shouldn't succeed. So we kind of messed in that in that way. So I thought he'd have a lot of awesome things to bring to the table, and he has a really good outlook and perspective on strength and conditioning and health and wellness and fitness as a whole. So uh, Coach Barrick, I appreciate you taking the time, brother. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So fill in some gaps for us and tell everybody, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you do, and uh, we can kind of go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Steve Barrick. I'm the head strength conditioning coach at University of Indianapolis. I've been here for seven years. I've been in the field for probably about, I'd say, 14, 15 years. I started off as a high school strength coach. Um, prior to that, I was a uh, I originally started, um, I, was a, I was a football player in high school and in college, and I, was a, I went to Franklin College. And um, I got my sociology degree, um, undergrad from Franklin. And, um, you know, I was, it, it's that typical, you probably hear this from a lot of strength coaches, is, you know, I wasn't the best player. Um, you know, I, I wasn't the most talented guy on the field. You know, I... I started and played and did all that kind of thing and accepted my role. And, but I really fell in love with the weight room. I, I, I think I loved the preparation more than I actually loved the sport, if that makes any sense. I mean, I, I love athletics. I love football. But um, the weight room is really where I, I like to be the most. And um, I think that kind of started with me in high school. But uh, So – you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the weight room and realized, you know, this, this, is, this is where I feel at home. Uh, I feel like I have a knack for this. I feel like, you know, um, when I go home, I write up programs. And, and I, write up, I write down everything I did, and I kept track of everything that I did. And so that kind of led me into being, you know, wanting to get into the, the world of fitness and health and all that so that led me to contacting a lot of uh, coaches i sent out a a broad email basically to every coach i could think of whether it be high school college it it didn't matter and um so finally i got a phone call from one coach um mike gillen and he invited me to come over to uh, indian creek high school which is uh, about 20 minutes south of Indianapolis, small, small school, farming community. 
And um, so I, I went there and I said, I'm interested in being the strength conditioning coach. He said, all right. He said, uh, you know, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, what you can offer us. And so we went through all that whole thing. And he said, all right, well, um, on top of being the strength conditioning coach, you're going to coach D-line and O-line as well. So, uh, so I got my start being the football strength coach along with the football coach. And uh, loved every minute of that. And uh, I made another, you know, stop at Franklin Community High School along the way, a little bit bigger school. And um, then that led me here to the University of Minneapolis. And so I took a different path than what um, many might take to the collegiate level. Um, but I felt like at the Division II level, you know, it's, it's, and we get, you know, we'll get into the differences I think between Division One and Division Two, and, and yeah. you know, big school versus small school. But um, you know, I, I felt like I, in terms of preparation and development, you know, I felt like I had the the, the tools that needed to, you know, be in place to to make this successful here at UND. So. Um, and then fast forward seven years and, and I'm still here and, uh, you know, our, our kids are still having success and, and, um, you know, we're, we're working at it every single day. So that's just kind of, uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to be where I'm at and, and love it here at the University of Indianapolis. That's awesome. And you're right about, you're right about one thing for sure that a lot of, uh, coaches do kind of get that. You know, they go in that similar direction where they say, oh, I wasn't the best on the field, but let's not undersell. Don't undersell yourself. Like if you go to college to play football and you were a decorated you know, high school athlete, too, like you like letter four years in a row. And I mean, you were you were like, right. you were all right. You know, like <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you some right. credit. I'll give you some dap, even though you don't want to give it to yourself. I'll give it to you. Um, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, and another thing. That you mentioned, I, I hear that a lot. That a lot of strength coaches step into the role and they take on multiple ro- roles, not just as a strength and conditioning coach. You know, there's a lot of roles that need to be filled in um, in a sports organization, especially in a college. So that's not unusual either. Um, dive a little bit more into Correct. where you think the differences, because you kind of you touched on a little bit the differences of D1, D2, D3. Uh, strength and conditioning and, and where it's going to lead because we touched on it when we talked earlier and um it, it sounded like to me you were very in, you had a lot of insight on seeing division three step it up division two step it up and kind of catch up to where division one has, has been in the past maybe decade or so yes and you know you're starting to see more and more jobs come open at, at these smaller schools which which needs to happen and you know i think it's like we talked about on the phone the other day, I, I start, I'm starting to see strength and conditioning be not, I don't know if it's in the realm of athletic training, but if you, if you have athletics, you have athletic trainers, which is, it's, it's, it's a no brainer and it's got to happen. So I believe that strength and conditioning needs to kind of start to be seen the same way. And, you know, I, we, I think that we all complement each other very well in terms of working with the athletic training staff, working with the coaching staff to a make these athletes um, perform at, a, at the highest level that they can perform at from a physical standpoint and B, you know, I want to make the athletic training staff's job a little bit easier. They don't have as many kids to work with because we have done the, 
necessary and proper things to prevent them from getting injured. And is, is that, you know, we can't put a hundred percent on ourselves that we're the reason that kids aren't getting hurt. Injuries happen. Things right. like that happen. It's just, it's just the way it is. But can we cut down on some of the overuse and, and some of these different soft tissue injuries and things like that? And so I, I think that's very, very necessary. And also from the standpoint of if there's a, if there's a workout going on in the weight room, there should be somebody who is certified and knows what they're doing. And I know this is this has come into the news lately because um, you know of the thing, some of the things that have been happening in other schools, and you know deaths and, and severe injuries and things like that. And you know, so how are we going to um, you know m- make this where? we do have the proper people in place in the weight rooms um, to make sure that these things don't happen or at least, you know, give us an opportunity to, to prevent these things. Right. So, so I, I believe that should be, and, and I don't care if it's what division, what level it's at high school, middle school, if there's a weight training session going on, there should be somebody there who not just an overseer, but somebody who's going to coach these athletes to do things correctly. Right. And, you know, we, we our, our motto here, I've been, I've stolen this from Chris Carlisle, and, uh, who's with the Seahawks, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's other coaches who've said this along the way, but, you know, our philosophy in training is, is we like to do it right. So technique is first and foremost. Do it fast. We worry then about the speed of the movement, uh, the speed that we put on the bar, or the speed in which we move. And three, then we do it heavy and and that the weight takes care of itself so it's it's all kind of relative and um you know putting a little bit less emphasis on that heavy part in the beginning teaching these kids how to do all these movements correctly because that's what it's all about it's movement definitely and um and so uh you know i think when it comes to division two and I'll be the first to tell you I can't speak on Division One from a 100% complete confidence standpoint because I've never been there. Um, I have a lot of friends, a lot of uh, mentors, a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends that, that coach at the Division One level, and I ask a ton of questions. And so a lot of the things that I believe and a lot of the things that I talk about are based off the things that I've gotten from these people that I trust and you know, know that they're really not going to pull any punches. And I go and I visit these places and I spend my time there and I kind of, you know, see these things. So I don't really speak about things that I haven't seen or what I think to be, oh, maybe this is how it is. I, I, I speak on the things that I've heard and seen when it comes to division one level. But, um, you know, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things, division two versus division one is our resources. Right. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things when it comes down to money, when it comes down to, um, you know, the support staff that we may have, you know, I'm very fortunate in my position where I have a full-time assistant coach, two grad assistants, and then I'm able to have, you know, however many interns I can get. But, you know, we don't have the training tables. We don't have the big, you know, the bigger – uh, athletic training rooms where we can do a lot of uh, recovery protocols, you know, 
those kind of things. We have to improvise and find different ways to do these things, and we have to put a lot of the responsibility on the kids. So, you know, instead of walking the kids over to the training table, you know, every night to make sure that they're eating this and doing things right from a nutritional standpoint, it's our job to then educate them. And I always say I walk that fine line between being a strength coach and being a nutritionist. I am not a certified registered dietitian. Therefore, I cannot give somebody, you know, a diet to follow and, and things like that. Sure. So I will give them all of the guidelines. You know, we'll fill out food logs. We'll do a lot of different things so that I can then give them advice on some things that they need to do. And, uh, and then we go from there. But, you know, we, we have to put a lot of responsibility on the kids to make sure that they're doing things right from that standpoint. But, you know, um, and recovery is another thing. You know, we, we change the way that we program a little bit um, based on the fact that, you know, we don't have the recovery tools. Our kids may not be as genetically gifted as a Division One player may be. Now, that's not all of them. I'm just saying that's in general. Sure. Uh, for the most part, because we do have some kids that are very genetically gifted and, you know, they're, they're here for a reason or, or whatever. But um, so we take all of those things into account, and then we kind of piece together our, the way that we're going to conduct our training sessions and those kind of things. So, um, you know, I think resources and just the way that we, you know, schedule, the way that we um, conduct our, our sessions may be a little bit different, but when it really comes down to it, the lifts that we do, the same. You know, we're going to do the same things from a conditioning standpoint. We're going to do the same things from speed development standpoint. And, uh, you know, and it, and it all comes down to knowing your athletes. So right. When I'm, when I'm programming anything, when I'm doing, you know, uh, a speed development session or whatever, I got to know my athletes and that, and then, you know, what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, and, and assess, assess, assess along the way. And, um, and as I do that, then, then we progress at the rate in which I feel is uh, appropriate for our athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of probably goes across the board for all divisions. One thing I think that you really hit on the head was, um, and this was kind of talked about in uh, episode 44 with my guest, uh, Dr. Haley, was that athletics and uh, athletic trainers and those kind of all those people in the profession need to be on the same level. I think under, underneath, underneath everything, there might be like a little, let's just, let's just stick with, you know, strength and conditioning and athletic trainers, for instance, there there might be a little competitive nature there where, you know, one side might say, well, what I'm teaching you is a hundred percent the right way. You know, strength and conditioning doesn't know what they're talking about, or strength and conditioning might be saying the exact same thing about athletic training. When, when it comes down to it, when it all boils down, both sides want the best for the athletes. So why not just come mm-hmm. to get, why not just come together and talk about it? And I think that's starting to happen more and more uh, because everybody's starting to realize that even though they're in, they're in a different part of the industry, it's all underneath that umbrella. And if you're keeping the, the, the players of any sport injury free and healthy and uh, productive, then it's a win win. And um, you know, it's interesting. I, I was talking to uh, a football pl- a former football player, from uh, Moorhead State, and he was talking about, you know, if he sees an excess of injuries on the field, most of the time, 
that will relate back to uh, what's going on in the weight room. And you kind of touched on that too. It's just, it's a matter of yeah. finding, finding what works with people. Now, obviously, you know, you've, especially in, in explosive sports like football, I mean, you got a lot of meat flying around, right? <laughs> I mean, right. these, these are, right. you know, right. you're not playing chess. You're going to get hit. You're going to, you might get hurt. I mean, there's just more power, more speed equals more potential for injury. But if things are going right in the weight room, if everybody's talking to each other, then those, the, the, the uh, injury reduction is greatly decreased. Absolutely. And one thing that, you know, I made sure that the first thing I did when I got here was to develop a great relationship with our athletic training staff. And um, we've continued that. We've had the same head athletic trainer for the, the seven years that I've been here. And we have a, we have a great relationship. Now that goes for every sport. So you know, I make a I make a point to make sure that I've got a good relationship with all of these athletic trainers. Every athletic trainer will send, includes me on all of the injury reports. So we get these injury reports, and I go over these injury reports on a daily basis with our coaches. And we got to know, okay, you know, we're looking at what, do we see a rash of anything that's going on here? Um, why might this be happening? What are some things we can do to change this? Then we get with the coaches and, you know, we'll discuss these things and talk about, you know, here's, here's some changes maybe we can make in the weight room or here are maybe some changes that, that need to be made in practice. And, the, you know, it kind of goes back to another thing that division one versus division two or smaller schools is, you know, we don't have the catapult systems. We don't have, you know, those GPS monitoring systems where you can, where you can really measure the, the output, that they're, they're, they're putting in in practice or in the weight room. Uh, it's all based on coach's eye. So I make sure, and I make sure that my coaches know, all right, here's the intensity here. Here's the volume here. Here's how we want to go about doing things in an in-season manner. So, and versus, you know, out of season in terms of volume, in terms of intensity, in terms of, so we are going to, um, we're going to back things off a little bit and, you know, there might be times when we could have pushed a little bit more, right. but I don't, I'm going to be a little conservative and, and that's going to help keep the athlete, um, you know, safe and, and injury free. And, you know, but, uh, you know, if, if we were able to have those catapult systems and things like that, that would give us some immediate feedback and, and accurate data that we could, go off of we just we just don't have you know that's that goes back to the resources but right um you know i i I see myself i don't want to consider myself an old school type coach um i try to educate myself you know on all these things all the time and uh so that i can if i ever get the opportunity to have some of these things i can (laughs) i can do it but um uh you know I, i make sure that i bring in really really smart young coaches who who know who have been a part of this and done these kind of things and uh they can educate me so i learn a ton from my uh, from my assistant coaches that i bring in my gas my interns i mean they you know they really go out and they do their homework so uh yeah but but back to the point about the athletic training staff i mean um we make sure that we're on the same page with everything. There is no, uh, you know, him versus me, them versus us type thing. Right. Right. Um, 
Yeah, there, there's there, no egos, and, I, and and this is the way I say: I, we're, we're we're a puzzle. So there, every piece has to fit together properly, and every piece has to be present for us to be successful. So, if um, you know, and you talk about the umbrella, it's the same concept. Yep. We've all got to be on the same page with everything, with every athlete, and know exactly what we're doing. So we spend a lot of time uh, doing that, and you know, so pe- people are like, well, "Why? Why are you working 14, 15, 16 hour days?" That's just <laughs> a little part of what we do on a daily basis outside of just coming in and, you know, training athletes. I mean, we are constantly monitoring the injury status and, and those kind of things with our athletes. Yeah, and that that comes from uh, open communication with the athletes too, which I I would imagine um, from the from the few Division One, Division Two athletes that I've trained, uh, just one, and one-on-one, not even in a group setting, if you ask them, you know, how'd that feel? How'd that weight feel? How'd, uh, you know, how's your, how's your recovery going on? They're going to tell you fine. They're going to tell you great. Like how often do you hear, how often do you hear an athlete say, oh, that, that weight just kicked my ass. Like they want to get right back after it and do it again. You know, it's just, I mean, right. it's kind of the right. na- nature of being an athlete, um, you know, male and female. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I, you know, trained, uh, an extremely talented, uh, division one volleyball player. And I would, and I could see it in her face that it was a struggle to do an exercise, sure. but she, she did it in great form and everything was like spot on. And then you know, you're writing down weights and everything. And you look, Hey, how, how'd that weight feel? Fine. How oh, come on, <laughs> you know, oh, no, no problem. So, so that open, that all the time. Yeah. So that open communication, especially when it comes to recovery and rest, because that's, I mean, now more than ever in the past, what, five or 10 years, especially football has come under, you know, great scrutiny with rest and recovery. So having, you know, not right. having as many resources and being able to, to translate that between athlete and coach, I mean, that's huge to be able to, to say, hey, you have to be open and honest with me um, in terms of how your recovery is going. And, I, um, and, you know, it goes back to the whole thing. Never underestimate, you know, the coach's eye, really. Um, you know, I think that's why it's important when somebody is, is bringing somebody in to be a strength and conditioning coach that, you know, they're able to see these things. And, you know, we, we want the feedback from the athletes, but you know, we've got to have the eye where, okay, yeah, I can, I can kind of tell how difficult that was or how, you know, did that cause pain or did that, you know, those kind of things. And, um, you know, sometimes I know it sounds simple when we just kind of talk about it like this, but, but when you get out on the floor and you see it thousands and thousands and thousands of times, that's when you really start to develop that that sense of, okay, now I know that this is a challenging weight for this athlete to use. And, right. You know, sometimes you sit there and you think, okay, that looks to be about 80%. <laughs> that looks to be about <laughs> 85%. I mean, you know, you start to, you start to kind of actually put it into that kind of uh, context, but, um, you know, and, and so I think that's a very valuable tool as to as a coach, and that's what I you know I tell my assistant coaches and my GAs and my interns, you know, you you got to sit there and you've got to watch athletes lift over and over and right. over and yep. over again for a for an extended period of time before you can really start to, you know, make the call on what they need to be doing and what they don't need to be doing, um, you know, because sometimes it's kind of hard to read, uh, sometimes very easy, but. Um, you know, they, they need to have just reps. It's just like lifting, you know, yeah. like anything, anything, it's like running. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have reps. Do you think that if, 
you know, there ever comes a time where you get to use all of that, um, all the training tools you mentioned earlier. Like, do you, do you think that would take away from your creativity, or do you think you'd still have plenty of creativity? Because obviously, like, the, you know, the more tools you have, the easier it is on a coach, and you know, the right. more beneficial it is for both sides, coaches and athletes. But you're not having all of that, like being able to spot like that eighty percent out of one athlete and fifty percent out of another. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are that are tools that maybe um, a strength and conditioning a new coach get into the business if they have that right away, but they don't know how to spot an athlete's uh, actual intensity just by eye. And there's a, spe- I mean, there's like a, it's a technique that goes into that, right? It's almost like an art. Sure. Sure. Hey, and I'm going to, I'm going to take this even a step further with you here is I see a lot of coaches in the strength and conditioning field who will come in and have very little time with, you know, in actually training themselves. So, and I like to say you need to, you need to live under the bar. You need to spend time under the bar. So, you know, you can feel what you're having these athletes go through. And I know this is kind of, you know, this, this has been said many, many times, but, you know, you got to have that experience yourself so, you, so that um, you know what you're looking at with, with your athletes. And a lot of times now we get a lot of coaches coming in who, who can, they can regurgitate any textbook you right. have about in the field of strength. Um, they can talk about any scientific study. Um, they can tell you how to run catapult. They can tell you how to run, you know, elite form or whatever it might be, you know, whatever these monitoring systems are. They can tell you all about that, but they can't properly perform a squat. Right. They can't properly tell somebody how to set up on the bench press. They can't tell somebody you know they can't show somebody how to do a lot of the lifts that we want them to do so you know i gotta have and and instead of just saying well you know you don't fit the mold here let's i'm gonna take what they're i'm gonna take their strengths and i'm gonna i'm gonna take them to the side and i'm gonna improve their weaknesses now so i'm gonna put them under a bar i'm gonna teach them how to squat i'm gonna you know, I want them to squat properly by me teaching them, and then I want them to teach me how to squat. All right, now take me through the teaching progression on how to how to squat. You know, how to how to pull, how to do how to hinge, all these different movements, and they've just got to spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's how I got that's how I got my start. I will say that my strength came from a lot of trial and error and spending time, you know. 20 years uh, training with weights and that's where I kind of developed my knowledge. And then now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very well read. I, I read a lot. I watch a lot in terms of, um, you know, videos and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, and I seek out great coaches and I learn a lot and I've, d- I've done all that, but I'm 38 years old. So when you get a 21 year old, 22 year old kid, you know, you gotta, you gotta expose them to all these things. And uh, I think that's vital. I think it's very important. And I think it's something that's starting to be a little bit overlooked these days. Yeah, I think and, you're right. Um, yeah, so I, so I truly believe that it's important that they have the ability to, to, to be under the bar and a little bit of trial and error and figure some things out for themselves. And then that makes, you know, the, the, these systems, these GPS systems and things like that, now make a little bit more sense to them. So I... Can I still be creative? Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of really good 
strength coaches out there that utilize these systems and are still very creative in the way that they go about their programming and, and, are, and are very, you know, can, can, can differentiate between the two. Um, but then you just use the, you know, you use those systems just as a little bit of a, I don't know, ju- justification maybe. Uh, okay, yeah, I, okay, we're on the right track. Here we go, here we go, we're on the right track. But they also have a way to really quickly identify if they are, you know, pushing it a little too far or if they're not, you know, right. doing quite enough. Yeah, because n- numbers don't lie. I mean, that's, you know, what comes down exactly. to it. You know, if you've got solid research to back up everything that you're doing, then, I mean, obviously as a coach, you can see an athlete progress and you can see the numbers. You can see how they're performing on and off the field and how many times they've been injured and X, Y, Z. But, you know, having solid numbers to back up all that data never hurts. So True. going along with all of that, uh, you know, a freshman or a new recruit or somebody walks into your facility for the first time, What's that first visit look like in terms of uh, meeting the staff and, and programming? Where, where do you go when somebody new walks in? Okay, so we have what we call our developmental one program. And I tell this to every recruit that walks through the door. Every recruit, every new athlete, every transfer, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Everybody starts at the same level with me. And because you know how it is you've got kids who have been you know junior national weightlifting competitors who can do every lift under the sun very very well and you've got athletes that come in who you know maybe went to a small school somewhere and has never seen a weight room in their entire life and so you've got two big ends of the spectrum and you don't want to take their word for it all the time well coach I squatted 500 pounds in high school all right well let me see a squat you know right. so um so i start everybody at the same level and then we 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 go through our progressions so we have a progression for about everything and as we go through our progressions then i can i can assess and i can you know figure out strengths and weaknesses and all those kind of things and um and then from there we will progress them accordingly but that develop that uh, excuse me that developmental one program is going to be very very basic. We're going to learn how to squat. We're going to learn how to hinge. We're going to learn how to press. Uh, we're going to learn how to pull. Uh, any kind of chins, any kind of rows, those kind of things. We're just going to teach the basics so mm-hmm. we're blue in the face and get a good base of strength going. Yep. And um, you know probably along the way we're going to work a lot of hip mobility. We're going to do a lot of uh, testing in terms of flexibility and figuring out where they're at and working on that and just seeing them move and um, so it's a very 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 simple way to go about it um, but it's a very effective way to go about it and uh, you know I think it's really it really helps us to teach our kids and make them understand that you know technique is going to be the first thing on everything and it's always going to be important Yep. The minute things break down technically in our weight room, we take a step back and you know we we, we take weight off the bar or, or whatever it is, and um, you know and then we, we kind of start over and we work back up. And uh, so I think that really, instead of them coming in and showing off what they can do, it's not about that at all. It's about you know it's also about learning the way that we go about you know doing our cues. I want them to know our verbiage. And I want them to get to know our coaches and, and all that kind of thing. And 
um, you know, develop relationships and develop trust and those kind of things, and then off we go. And then, you know, they're going to progress at the rate in which they are capable of with those, you know, me kind of, you know, putting a foot up their rear end occasionally, things like that. And, <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and so we go from there, and our athletes have done a great job with that. You know, you brought up a really good point about teaching the basics until you're blue in the face. Because until you're blue in the face, because I, I just I was te- I was talking to um, a potential trainer today. I say potential because she might be um, added on to our team at Mission Five. But anyway, we're talking today about. She asked me. She's like, well, you know, what's one thing that really separates a good trainer? And I'm like, knowing the basics. Yep. And do and performing them to the best of your ability. I, it doesn't have to be like this big flashy thing every time somebody steps into the weight room. You know, if you know the right. basics and you can execute the basics, it doesn't have to be fancy. It has to work. Right. <laughs> that, that's all there exactly. is to it. Exactly. And, and that's that's a big part of our we're we're big on Olympic lifting. So in order in order to make things more complex, you've got to be able to do all of the basic movements very very well and uh, we have a level of proficiency that we look for and we can determine as coaches okay yes we've we kind of check that off the list so to speak and as we do that then you kind of move into what we call our developmental two or our intro to the olympic list and that's when we start doing more complexes and we start teaching them uh you know all of the progressions for our olympic list and that's about as complex as it gets in our whole program mm-hmm. you know we're all of these basic movements you're going to do for from the time you step foot on campus to the day you graduate and you know the most complex you're going to get is doing some variations of the snatch or you know the clean the jerk you know those kind of things outside of that you know we've got some kettlebell work in there we do some strongman stuff with some of our athletes and things like that but um you know all of that you can't do any of that without having the basic movement patterns that are necessary in the weight room to make sure that you know we stay healthy and stay safe and uh, you know get Definitely. stronger get better and, and move move better exactly and another thing is you know like you said earlier when you get a you know, somebody new coming into the weight room for the first time and all they want to do is demonstrate their strength instead of trying to let you help them develop strength because that's two totally different things that people get confused you know and i mean even even when i'm dealing with somebody who's who's never strength trained before, they want to demonstrate their strength so much, you know, and be able to like force the weight up and no matter, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get this last rep on the chest press or whatever. It's like, I, it, I believe that you're strong. You kind of, kind of take a step back. I already know you're strong. Okay. I want to try to develop some strength over here. You know, let's, let's take some time sure. to slow down the motion. Let's learn it properly and let's kind of go from there. So that's uh, it's a really good point to, you know, take a step back and to really, kind of re-educate your student-athlete, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's it's the whole drop the ego at the door yeah. thing for a lot of athletes, and, and that's tough for them to do. And there are so many resources out there for, for athletes and coaches. Um, you know, I, the, the paralysis by analysis, I believe, is true more than ever. And that is because there are so many resources. Now, a lot of resources out there are very, very good. The hard part for a young kid is sifting through and figuring out 
what's good and what's not. Sure. And I'm a firm believer that there's a thousand ways to do things and they're all correct. It's, you know, if you implement it properly and, and those kind of things, you know, I, I believe in many, many different training protocols. I really, really do. And I think sometimes these kids get caught up studying every single one of them and then can't, can't implement anything. Right. And, um, I know I'm kind of going off on a whole different tangent. No, 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 no. You're you're spot on, man. <laughs> you are. But, uh, well, yeah, but I, that, that's why I, you know, I look at all the different systems and all of the different um, training protocols there are out there, and I even get a little bit overwhelmed at times. I'm like, how am I going to program this for this team, you know, based on, on right. all this? Okay, take a step back. All right, here, here is the, you know, here's kind of the method that, that we want to implement and uh, based on what, what we know is, is correct and has worked. And, again, it kind of goes back to that trial and error, so mm-hmm. to speak, a little bit. Over time, how have we done this for the last 15 years? Okay, well, I know that, you know, if, if I want to gain strength and a little bit of hypertrophy and stuff like that, in, in our lower body, then we're going to squat and we're going to do fives. And, you know, we're going to do a lot of fives. And, um, you know, things like that. And so, you know, just I think a lot of times um, when we bring an intern in or we bring in a grad assistant in, they've got a lot of great ideas because they've done so much reading and so much research and watched so many YouTube videos <laughs> that, that – that they bring a lot of great ideas to the table, but right. it's like, all right, how are we going to implement this? Yeah. How do we implement this with this group and this group and this group? And they can't, you know, sometimes they're like, well, I, uh, yeah. so I think that's a big part of, of the educating process for a lot of these, not only athletes, but, but young coaches as well as, yeah. you know, find, find that training protocol that you believe in, that you, um, that you've seen work, that you've, done before and uh let's let's put it to use and if you've never done this before let's find the most simple way to do things that we know works based on science and and uh and all that and then uh let's go to work yeah and 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 give and give a program uh time to develop because i think a lot of people want to ditch a program after you know after a month where they don't think they've seen the results that they they expected or they didn't get the results that somebody else got in a certain amount of time. You got to let a program develop, let it see its way through. And then along the way you make adjustments. It's not like a total, it doesn't have to be a total revamp of a program uh, at the, you know, at four weeks. Oh, none of this works. Well, if a person isn't getting the, the complexity of a clean or a snatch or a jerk or something, then how about you tweak it? How about you dial it? How about you dial that one piece back down to just uh, in an, an upright row? or a shrug or just digress a little bit. It doesn't have to be like a a whole revamp. I think that's, that kind of goes along with that, uh, the puzzle piece that you mentioned and you don't have to destroy Mm -hmm. the entire puzzle. Don't burn the whole thing down. Take a little bit here at a time. And I think it's maybe for like those new trainers, the new coaches, um, even new, you know, new athletes to a program. They think that, well, I got to relearn everything because this, this one thing didn't work. You know, it worked for somebody. It doesn't mean it can't work for you. You just have to find like your own. It depends on who you're working with and who you're de- delivering it to. Are they gonna? Are they the type of athlete that's gonna 
receive this program well? You know, what kind of things have they done in the past? Man, it's so, it can be so complex and to, to throw it all out the window. Yep. I, mean, I do the same thing when it, when somebody comes to me with something new. Like, yeah, I want to implement that. I want to implement that XYZ into, into so-and-so's program. And then maybe it, you know, you get like, you get like that little thing in the back of your head that makes you think, man, is my, have I been doing everything, you know, wrong? <laughs> have I, right. you kind of you almost start second guessing yourself, but when it, you dial it back down to the basics of what you know is true and then just add it in just a little bit, sprinkle it in just a little bit at a time. It does so much. Absolutely. And I think that's a sign of a good coach is, yeah. all right, well, what, okay, what, I've done it this way for a long time, but with this in particular, you know, group or this in particular athlete, how can I make this a little bit different to benefit them more? And, you know, that is a daily, daily thing that, that we go through as coaches. And, you know, we have, we have close to 700 athletes. We're no different than many other um strength conditioning coaches at, at the at the collegiate high school level we have a lot of kids that we work with and we try to get them all through on a you know three times a week basis or four times a week or whatever it might be and it becomes difficult but you've got to make adjustments on the fly right and to an individual to a whole group if i see something that isn't working well for many many of the athletes at the same time i'll stop the group and we'll address it we'll make the changes that need to be made and then we'll go about our training but um i think that's very very true and i think a lot of it is you know kids i think i've noticed more can lose interest quickly um their attention span is is way less than i think it was you know even 10 years ago maybe and so the biggest thing that i have come to grasp with a little bit is long gone are the days where this is what you're going to do because this is what I told you to do as the head coach. Here's why we're going to do what we're doing. And, you know, why do we do Olympic lifts? And I educate them and I, and I, I educate them on, uh, you know, putting force into the ground, being violent. When we jump, I change my, um, my external cues up a little bit. To, to make it more appealing to them, you know, and, uh, you know, I relate things to, to things that they know. So, you know, the, the question came up, well, how, you know, how do I know if I'm doing an RDL correctly? Well, okay. Did you play basketball when you were growing up? Well, yeah. Okay. When you're in the lane and somebody's shooting a free throw and you bend over and grab your shorts, you know, that's an RDL. You have a flat back. Your hips are hinged back. You know, your knees are slightly bent. You don't bend your knees a lot because you're tired. And, uh, you know, so, and I'll put them in that position. I'll say, remember when you, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Now I'm going to put a barbell in their hands, and I'm going to give them a couple little different cues to go along with that. And, uh, boom, there you go. Now we're in that position. But they can always think back to grabbing onto their shorts and bending over when somebody's shooting a free throw. And, Hmm. You know, in the beginning when I was young, I didn't have those thoughts. And over time, as I've gotten older, you know, I can now throw those out there. The kids get it. They can start to perform these exercises properly. They can now start to get the benefit of the RDL. They start, and if you do that with all of your exercises and all the things that you're doing, 
now they see the benefit of it. They feel it. They start to make progress. They start to believe in your program. Yeah, and that creates the buy-in part. And and and, and there's more connection between you and that athlete and that person. You know, sure. you're not you're not just telling them, all yeah. right, stop. You know, you suck at this lift. You're going to do something else. <laughs> those, right. th- those coaching cues right. are so are so huge. I think, and they're um, they're very. I say I say this with a, a very. No, I'll just say with with just how I, I feel. I mean, I, I feel like coaching cues are extremely underutilized, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and maybe. <sighs> Maybe it's because like the the part of the industry that I'm in, you know, like when when I tell when I tell a client that I'm working with, stop, wait, back up, let's let's rethink how we're how we're doing this. They automatically think that you know they're doing something wrong and they're never going to get it, and you know it's just game over. But in, instead, right. if I just if I have them if I have them just hey slow down just a second, oh remember to tuck your chin, hey remember to bend, keep your knees bent, those slight little cues to keep in the back of your head, and hopefully they carry over like to the next exercise or. Or like you said, like related to something that they've already done, like that's big, you know. I mean, something that doesn't—that's not even related to what, to what like their actual sport might be, but they still have that that cue sure. in the background they can relate to. Yeah, that's pretty huge. I like that. Yeah, and and um, I I was in a I was in a clinic over at uh, IFAS run by uh, Mike Robertson. Yeah. And um, Nick Winkleman was one of the one of the presenters there. And uh, his his whole his his thing was talking about internal and external cues when working with athletes, and that stuck with me. You know, that's one of those things where you take something from a clinic and you don't have to write notes. Right. Um, you know, I didn't have to take notes on that for that to stick in my mind and remember that, and I've used that ever since to this day. Uh, and it's the only interaction I've ever had with with uh, Nick. And, but it's, it's it, it, you know, that, that, that half an hour little demo thing changed the course of the way that I, you know, approach, you know, the way I communicate with my athletes. Yeah. I like that a lot when, especially the external cues, you know, when you're, well, heck both of them, I mean, it's, they're both, so, they're both like a, a vital part. And that's something that's hard for a coach to teach someone who's coming in to teach somebody, uh, you know, if you have, if you have a new coach coming in, do you find that that's hard to to pull out of them? Because you kind of have you have to have like your own little ways to, to do things. I know you that really do. Yeah, you, you have to develop your own. Right. And you know, another thing about that is is what works for one. You know, a great cue that you use for one athlete may not work for another. Right. So you've got to have these different cues for these different athletes and then you got to remember hey remember remember last week when i told you you know that you know when you jump i want you to put your head through the ceiling right remember that right because that way we can get extension when we do our jumps and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay now that may not work for, for another athlete and i gotta you know i've got to keep that in mind to remember that and so that is a hard thing for my incoming young coaches to understand because they're like they they get this one great coaching cue that they use that they think is always going to be effective and it's like half the kids might understand it the other half might not so you got to come up with something else yep you've always got to have something in your back pocket and you've always got to be ready to implement it on the fly yeah one thing that pops out in my head when i uh when i'm training a a small group and i'm across the gym and i'm maybe with someone on a machine and someone's you know 
25 yards away from me and I'm, I'm looking at them and I see their tent, they're, they're internally rotated and their chins tucked to their chest during a row. I mean, one thing that I do is I'll kind of get their attention and I almost do, I mean, I don't know how else to put it besides saying like a pistol underneath your chin, you know, thumb, thumb to yep. your, thumb to your uh, chest. And then I put my index finger on my chin. And as soon as I do that with most people, they're like, Oh, boom. You know, shoulders back and, right. and, head, and head up. It's those quick little things you kind of got to learn. But it's the same thing in the same group of people. I could do the exact same thing to somebody else, and they kind of stop the exercise. Like, what are you do? What are you doing? <laughs> so it's kind of like right. that's a verbal cue. Hey, head up, chest up, shoulders back, kind of thing. So it's you know, one size sure. definitely doesn't sure. fit all. You hope that like one size fits most. <laughs> exactly, and and you you know how it is. You you get um you want to keep things simplified for your athletes. And, you know, if I tell somebody I want them to perform this move, this movement with a neutral spine, you know, some of these kids don't understand what a neutral spine is. Right. So I either have to spend a lot of time in talking about a neutral spine, or I can come up with a cue that makes them understand, you know, how to get in the position that I want them to get in. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it just takes practice. It takes repetition. Uh, just like you were saying, just like the very beginning, on both sides, it's if you're a coach, it's gonna need repetition, gonna need to clean it up, no matter what level you're in, um, D1, D2, D3, and no matter what right. side of the ball you're on. So, yep. uh, coach, again, man, I really appreciate you taking the time today to to shed some light and what you guys are doing over there at University of Indianapolis. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach out? Email is the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. And um, my email address is on our website. Um, it's uh, barracks at undy.edu. Well, I appreciate you again, Coach, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it.